0: Well, good morning and welcome to Stevens Creek Church. We're so glad that you're here today. I'd like to welcome all those in our Grovetown campus, and our South Campus, those watching online, those watching on demand. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. You know, you know i like to start with something funny. Uh, did, did you hear about the guy that prayed this prayer? He said, Dear God, for the New Year, I am praying for, uh, <clears throat> for a fat bank account and a thin body. Now, Lord... Please don't mix them up like you did last year. (laughs) This past week, I read that there are more overweight people in America than average weight people in America. So I was thinking about that. So, what they're telling me is overweight is average, which means that you've already met your New Year's resolutions. Congratulations. (laughs) Think about New Year's resolutions. There are three, uh, the top three New Year's resolutions in America for 2023 is to uh, do more exercise, to eat healthy, and to lose weight. Now, I would add a fourth one to that, but my fourth one would be number one, and that is to pray more. Today, we're starting 21 days of prayer, and this is just an important season for our church. We do this every January and every August, and during this time... We are praying that God would get the junk out of our lives and that he would fill us with his Holy Spirit. Oh God, get the junk out of my life. Fill me with your presence. In January, we also add some sort of fasting to that, and fasting helps us focus on those things that really matter. I believe that your life can be better. I believe that your life can be better. And over and over, we've seen God change people change families change whole destinies during 21 days of prayer and so just make that a part um for this to happen you've got to make some decisions you've got to schedule it you've got to carve some things out of your life you've got to make room and this is going to take discipline and so i want to just encourage you to to think about this and to to make it happen You're you're writing your life story with the decisions that you make, and you can make some good decisions at the first of this year to change your life. Your story matters, and everybody has a story, and we love to talk about our story. We love to talk about our story, whether, whether it is something that we've overcome in the past and we celebrate that. Maybe it's a game that we won when uh, we were playing sports, or we, we love to talk about uh, great stories along the way. Maybe something stupid that we've done that we can't believe we, oh, we did something like that. But all of us have stories that we love to tell, but all of us also have stories that we would rather leave untold. For some of us, there are entire chapters of our life story that we would like to cut out and never remember again. It's interesting to look back over my life and realize that there are some seemingly insignificant decisions that really made a significant impact on the direction of my life. And you can look at that at your life too. There are some seemingly insignificant decisions you made that made a, a huge impact. I'll, when I was in the 11th grade, my cousin asked me to travel with him to Cleveland, Tennessee to visit uh, homecoming at, at Lee University. Insignificant, I said, okay, you don't want to travel, uh, travel by yourself, so I went with him. Never dreaming that 18 months later I would be a student at Lee. Then, while I was at Lee, I made this insignificant decision to be in the backup band for a choir called the Ladies of Lee. Fifty ladies, five guys. This is not just a hat rack. (laughs) Smarter than I look. The ratios were incredible. I didn't realize that the very next semester, a young lady named Patty would join the choir. And then a few months later, in January, we had our first date. Six months later, we were married. And so just think about this. An insignificant decision to go with my cousin up to a homecoming, and then another insignificant decision of being in the backup band for a choir, all of a sudden, those insignificant decisions I thought were insignificant, God used that to really direct me to where he would have me to go. And so, the, and now, on the other hand, I've made some seemingly insignificant decisions that have not worked out, that, that have gone bad, and maybe you have too, and said, oh, I wish I'd have never done that, or I wish I'd have never been there, I wish I'd never got to know that person, because those decisions have had a negative impact on you, and so my goal in this series is just to help me make better choices, to make better decisions, We cannot change our past, but we can make good decisions today. And I believe those decisions will determine the stories that we tell down the road. Here's the big idea for the series. The decisions that we make today determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. The decisions that we make today determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. And today I want to talk about making a decision. I decide. I believe deciding to start a discipline can transform your life. Now, each week we're going to pick up the stories, uh, pick up the Bible, and go through a story of the Bible to help uh, illustrate the point. Today we're going to look at a man named Daniel, and he is famous for being thrown in the lion's den and surviving. The story of Daniel in the lion's den uh, is probably one of the most famous stories in all of the Bible. People love to tell that story because the good guys win. But today I want to focus on Daniel's life leading up to that event. We're really not going to deal with the, the, uh, the lion's den event, but just those things that, that leading up to that moment in his life. Now there's two things that you ought to know. That at this point in Daniel's life, Daniel is a very old man. He came to Babylon as a teenager, and all of his adult life he spent working in the court system of various pagan rulers. Now he's over 80 years old, and he's serving under a new king named Darius who rules over the new kingdom, the kingdom of the Medes and Persians. Now when King Darius came to power He chose 120 guys to be governors over the territory. Now, they called them satraps back then, but they were literally governors. And then he chose three guys who would oversee the 120 governors. It just so happens that Daniel was one of the three guys that would oversee the governors. Now, Daniel stood out among these three, and the, the king put him over everything. And when the king did that, these 120 guys, they didn't like it at all. And they developed a plan to get rid of Daniel. So we pick up the story in Daniel chapter 6. He said, at this, the administrators and the satraps, or the governors, tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel in his conduct of a governmental affairs, but they were unable to do so. These guys were looking for dirt. They were looking for dirt to uh, try to take Daniel down. They wanted to find some reason, some reason uh, to charge him, but they couldn't find it. Next verse. They could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy. He was neither corrupt nor negligent finally these men says we'll never find any basis for charges against this man Daniel unless it has something to do with the law of his God so they came up up with a plan to entrap Daniel they knew that this man was a man of faith and that he was a man of prayer and so these guys went to the king and asked the king to create a law for the next 30 days that nobody in the kingdom could pray to any other god or any other person besides King Darius. And if somebody were caught praying to somebody besides King Darius, they were going to be bound and thrown in the lion's den. And so Darius saw that proposal. He signed the law, not thinking anything about it, and then he put his seal on it. Now, when a king would put his seal on it, that law could not be repealed. He couldn't even turn it around. It was set in stone. Well, the king had no idea that Daniel was the target of this, this new law. And meanwhile, those satraps, they're just laughing uh, together, knowing that they've got him now. They knew that Daniel would, not, would, would eventually break the law. They knew that Daniel would keep on praying just as he had always done. Daniel was a victim of his own integrity. He was faithful to God. You know, if he had been a, fa- uh, a flaky believer, half-hearted believer, uh, this plot would have worked. But his troubles came not because of his weakness, but his troubles came because of his strength. I want you to let that sink in. Because some of you are in trouble now. And your troubles did not come because you were weak. They came because you were strong. There are times that even in our strength, that we face opposition and we face difficulty. So just understand that. Next verse. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows were open toward Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Think about this. Daniel had developed this habit. He developed this spiritual discipline that three times a day, he would stop what he was doing, he would get down on his knees, and he would pray. And as he prayed, he would align his heart with God's heart. He would align his will with God's will. He wanted God's will to be done in his life. I believe that Daniel was successful because he made a decision to put God first in his life. He made a decision to align his life up with God's will. And it was during this time that God developed and transformed Daniel's story into a story that God wanted to, Daniel to tell. I want you to put God first in your life. And as we start this year, 2023, this is a, a good opportunity For us to make decisions, to carve out time, to say, God, I'm gonna put you first. Because here's the point the decisions that we make today will determine the stories that we tell tomorrow. What decisions can you make today that will help you tell a story that God wants to be told? Think about your future. What has God called you to do? What is God prompting you to do? Why are you placed on this earth? What is your purpose here? You see, God has a purpose and God has a plan for your life. And I believe that the decisions that you make now will determine the stories that you're going to tell in the days ahead. Your decisions determine your destiny. So let's just think about that. So over the next few minutes, I want to talk about three decisions that I've made. Now, these are not just uh, specific to me. I believe that these decisions that we're going to talk about can relate to every one of us here. And so as I, as I give you these points, I'm going to just include you in the conversation and approach this as if all of us are making these decisions, because we're determined that the decisions that we make today are, are going to uh, determine the stories that we tell uh, in the future. And we want good things spoken of us in the future. So we're going to make some declarations. We're going to decide. Here's the first thing. Today, I'm changing my spiritual life by making prayer a priority. Today, I am changing my spiritual life by making prayer a priority. When I was at graduate school in Sanford University, I worked part-time at a church in Birmingham. Now, what I learned while working at that small church was really more important to my life than anything I learned in the classroom. I discovered the power of a daily prayer life. It was at that church that they really just had this commitment to, to seek God, And they would meet early in the morning, and and just to, to be a part of that and to see all of that, it changed my life. You see, prayer gives me a healthy awareness of who God is. It helps me to recognize that there's somebody bigger than I am, that there's somebody smarter than I am, that there's somebody wiser than I am, there's somebody more creative than I am. When I'm in a place of prayer, I'm in God's presence. And when I am in God's presence, I am reminded that God is in control. And I need to be reminded of that. Because there are days where I turn on the news and it looks like the world is out of control. And when I come to a place of prayer, I am reminded that God is in control. I don't know about you. But you may be like me. You need to be reminded of that, that he is God and, and I'm not. And when I'm in a place of prayer, I am reminded there's a better way to live, and there's better things to live for, and there's better ways to define success, and there's better ways to steward your, your passions and your desires. Daniel made a decision early in his life. He made a decision to carve out time to walk, talk to God. In fact, the Scripture says, Verse 10, three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed. So here's the question How's your prayer life? How are you doing with that? Could adding a personal prayer time in your life be a decision that would change your future? I believe it would. And so I want you to consider being a part of 21 Days of Prayer. I just feel like that this is a key season. We do it every January. We do it every August. It's starting today. And so just consider that as one of your next steps in your spiritual journey. Now, here's another decision that has made an impact on my life today. And it's about relationships. Relationships. And I just want you to think about your relationships. You know, we're here to learn how to talk to God, but I also want you to to sharpen your skills on learning how to talk to other people. I want you to have better relationships this year. So real just ask yourself, how are you getting along with people? How are you getting along? How are you getting along with, with your spouse? How are you getting along with your kids? How are you getting along with your, your parents, your brothers, your sisters, those people you go to school with, the people you work with? How are you getting along with these folks? It's important that we look at that and we focus on that. I see so many people who would rather walk out of a relationship instead of work through the issues in a relationship. And I just want you to just to to press pause just for a moment before you walk out. Just press pause. Just think about that. Commit to praying for that relationship for the next 21 days. Commit to working on that. So here's that commitment we're going to make. Today, I'm going to focus on my relationships, and I am going to commit to work through the issues. Today, I'm going to focus on my relationships, and I'm going to commit to work through the issues. Here's what we know we all have issues. And you've heard it over and over that if you're the person that says, I don't have any issues, well, that is your issue. <laughs> if you want your story to be different in the days ahead, then you've got to make some decisions today. Too many people walk out instead of walk through. You want peace in your home. You want peace in your marriage, on the job. You've got to learn how to work toward a resolution. And working toward a resolution to a problem, there's always a cost involved. Mainly, it'll cost you your ego. You've got to be willing to give in. Maybe your wife is right. Maybe your husband does have a point. Right? Maybe I've got a point. Should I go on further? Okay. So she said I should keep preaching. That's what she said. You know, I heard one guy say, you know, I knew that I married Mrs. Wright. I just know her. her first name was always. Uh, not you, though. Not you at all. But seriously. Okay. What does reconciliation mean anyway? What does it mean to resolve something? Reconciliation means to reestablish a relationship. It does not mean that you're going to resolve all your problems. Uh, Many times there are legitimate, honest differences between husbands and wives, between employees and bosses, between men and women. There's honest differences and you may never resolve all of those. Reconciliation means that you bury the hatchet not the issue. You keep talking about it, but you learn how to talk about it in harmony. You can disagree, but you learn how to disagree agreeably. Here's what I've learned through the years is that you can walk arm in arm with someone without seeing eye to eye. And so many times in life, we see it uh, black or white relationships are not that clear. You know, it's working of merging of the, of the people and the thoughts and the backgrounds and all of that. And so I want you to make a decision today to work through your relationships, to work through. Don't wait for the other person to make the first move, but take that initial schedule, a time, sit down, go face to face. Conflict is rarely resolved Accidentally. You've got to intentionally work on that. We're talking about decisions now. That we're, if we make these decisions, it will help shape our future. It'll help shape our. It'll help us really become the, the people that God wants us to be. Here's the third thing I want to talk to you about. It's not only our relationships, but I want to talk about money for a minute years ago, Patty and I struggled financially. We made some decisions along the way that uh, really led us down a path of indebtedness and uh, stress and pressure and all of that. And I just want you to maybe learn from our mistakes, because we are not perfect in this, but I'm telling you in the early days, uh, we didn't know a basic principle, and this is and everybody should know this, but we just didn't know this. Uh, you Don't spend money you don't have. That's just the bottom line. If I could give anybody advice on finances, it's just simple. Don't spend money you don't have. Um, uh, because we did. We spent money we didn't have. <clears throat> and when it comes to money, God wants you to be a good manager. When Patty and I first got married, uh, we struggled financially, and many of you have heard the story. We lived in government ha- subsidized housing. We were on food stamps. Uh, you know, it started off very tough. But here's even in those days, we put God first and we brought the tithes to the Lord, and He honored that. Didn't mean that we didn't struggle, but He did that. And um, along the way, we came and we understood the importance of surrender. We're going to surrender. And that's what I want you to do. Today we're going to surrender my finances to God and we're going to learn to manage the resources that he has given us. I want you to surrender your finances to the Lord and ask him to anoint you and help you to learn how to manage the resources that he's given. It's not how much you make, it's how much you spend. When we first were married, we moved to town uh, I wanted everything that my parents had as a married couple, okay. And I think most kids—they see their, uh, their way their parents live, and they want to live like that. And so I wanted that. Patty wanted that, and we thought, okay, let's do that. But we didn't take in account for how many years it took my parents to get where they were. My parents had a brick house, and we in those days was we, we gotta have a brick house. Got a car. You know, my parents had nice cars, and we said, We need a nice car. And so, trying to keep up with your family or keep up with your friends will stress you out. So, when we moved to town, we first moved to town, we were living a lie. We were up to our eyeballs in debt, and it was stressful. It was painful. I'll never forget when I finished my master's degree, I had half of my student loans still in the bank. Now, you'd think somebody with a master's degree would have some wisdom along the way, but not at all. You can have a lot of degrees and be as foolish as can be. A lot of foolish graduate students in this room even now, and I'm leading the way. But I'm telling you, I looked at that, and uh, I thought, you know what? It was $2,500. I thought I could pay that against the loan or we could use it as the down payment on the car. Mm-hmm. I'm 24. And so, of course, I want to sign and drive. And so, I, uh, I use that as a down payment on the car. Now, most normal people would say, okay, you need to buy a Toyota, you need to buy a, a Nissan, something that is Reliable. I thought, no, let's get a Mercedes, because every 24-year-old needs a Mercedes. Doesn't matter how old it is, I'll never forget, this is how uh, stupid I was. I was going on Washington Road to Brickles Cleaners, and I drove through the drive-through at Brickles Cleaners uh, to give them some shirts, have them laundered, and the lady looked at me and she said, so, you driving your daddy's car today. I thought to myself, no, my daddy would never buy a car like this, Chevy or a Ford, definitely not a foreign car in his world. But I was living a lie. I wanted what other people had, but I didn't want to work for it. I didn't want to save. I wanted to sign and drive. I wanted that, and so that's what I did. And decisions like that led to indebtedness. And where we have a mortgage and now we have a car payment and on paper we could do that it it worked the numbers work but what about a sick child and what about diapers and formula and, and what about your dishwasher when it breaks i mean I, those things are going to happen your washing machine your dryer they're, they're going to break There's one point in our lives where Patty and I, our stove broke and we probably didn't have a stove for weeks, maybe even months because we couldn't afford it. Because we were living on the edge. Every dollar went out before we could allocate it really. And so it was during, and that went on for a while. You just don't get out of messes like that. After Christmas, Christmas, This year, Patty and I spent a few days in Hilton Head. And for us, Hilton Head has a lot of memories because in the early days of our marriage, when we were going through financial struggles, we would vacation in Hilton Head. And the reason we're able to vacation in those days is that the pastor of Central Church, Michael Carr, um, invited me to preach at his church during every summer. And I did this for 10, 15 years. Um, And We got to stay at his house, and so I preached for free, and then uh, I got his house for free, and that's how we were able to go on vacations there every year for a number of years. Um, I'll never forget one time we were there, and Patty went out to the outlet mall, and she came back with a, a dress, and she showed it to me. and She had paid $30 for this dress, $30. I saw that, and I hit the ceiling. And we got in this intense argument to the point where we went in the bedroom and we closed the door and we started talking very loudly at each other. Very loudly to the point where when we opened the door, all three kids were outside the door with tears coming down their faces saying, Are y'all getting a divorce? Over $30. Because when you are in debt, you can't make sense. It was $30. And let me say something, guys. That outbreak cost me a whole lot more than the $30 to make up for it. Whole lot more than $30. I'm still paying for that, I believe. <laughs> but we made a decision we're not going to live like that anymore. We're just not going to live under that stress and under that pressure, and so we started doing everything possible to get out of debt. Here's what, you know, I, I say this oftentimes, that you need to go home this afternoon, and you need to look because there's money. There's money laying all over your house. You need to find that money, and you need to pay off debt, and uh I said that, and I went home one day. We had credit card debt, and I found a saxophone my parents um, bought for me when I was in high school. And I'd treasure that because it was a gift from them, but we were, made a decision we were going to get out of debt. I hadn't touched that, and so uh, we sold that. Got over $3,000 able to pay off a credit card with that. Interesting side note to that story. This Christmas, my kids got together and bought me a new saxophone. You know, I think about just how we lost that because of mismanagement, but now it's a different day. And I also think about the time where, you know, we were going after the fine cars when we couldn't afford it, but then we realized we had to change and, and that I went through a season here where I was driving, passing over a thousand people, but driving a seven-year-old stick shift Toyota that we went to Mako and got a $250 paint job so it would be okay and I drove that because that's what you do nothing drives better than a paid off car and that's what you do to to get your house in order so we started um, doing some things like that to get our house in order and you know every time that you take that self, I think God honors that in fact these words came to me and I wrote them down I didn't put them on the screen here When you learn how to manage what you have, God will give you more than you need. When you learn how to manage what you have, God is going to give you more than you need. And so today is because we made tough decisions ten or fifteen years ago. Our cars are paid off, our house is paid off, and we're debt free. But it came at a price. We had to make those hard calls. We had to humble ourselves before the Lord. But what we discovered is that when we humbled ourselves before God, God touched us and God made a way where it didn't seem possible. So let me ask you a question. What do you need from God today? Because I believe that the same God will make a way in your life when it doesn't seem possible. I don't know if you're having relationship issues. I don't know if you're having financial issues. What is it that you need from the Lord today? God is here to touch you right where you are. Today, we're starting 21 days of prayer. And I'm just gonna ask you, once again, what do you need God to do? And as you think about that, I want you to pick up this card here. And I want you to think about your life. What do you need God to do in your life? Struggling financially, struggling with an addiction? You have dreams or you, desires? What do you want God to do in your life? I want you to take a couple of minutes, and I just want you to start writing down. And here's what we're going to do. In a few minutes, we're going to sing a song. And that you're going to come forward in Grovetown, you're going to come forward in South Campus and in this campus, and you're going to put this card on the stage. And here's what's going to happen. Tomorrow at all of our campuses, we're going to gather and we're going to take every one of these cards and we're going to pray over you. We're going to ask God to meet you right where you are and that, that he would meet the needs of your family or, or those desires that you have. So just take a minute. What do you want God to do in your life? I want you to write it out. Musicians are going to come in just a minute. And as we start to sing, as you're ready, as you feel prompted, you can come forward and place this uh, card on the stage. Now, here's a secondary card. This is a smaller card. This is not to be placed on the stage, okay? This is a card uh, for you to take home. And on this card, it says seven targets of God's blessing. I want you to think about seven people that you want to see God bless. Maybe they need to be saved. Maybe that person is far from the Lord. And that you want to use the next 21 days and that you want to just call their names out. God, touch this person. God, save this person. God, protect, you know, just call their names out. And this is, after you fill this out, this is what you keep with you over the next 21 days and you pray over this. Now at Stevens Creek Road, we have windows here and you might want to add to that and just stop by and write the names of the people that need to be saved on those windows and we'll be praying with you during 21 days of prayer and beyond. We use those windows as a point of prayer. So it's time to pray. And I want to pray over you. Those in our Grovetown campus, I want to pray on those in our south campus, those watching online. Father, I am so thankful for this congregation. It's such an honor that I have to be able to stand before such a good group of people. I pray, Lord, that you would extend your mercy and that you would extend your grace to them. I pray, Father, that you would release your spirit upon this church, that we would not just go through the motions of another Sunday or another 21 days of prayer, but this would be a moment where we're making a decision that's going to affect our life in the days ahead. So, God, we surrender our lives to you. We surrender our past. We surrender our future. We are giving our lives to you. And Father, we're also asking you to move as only you can do. So come, Holy Spirit, touch us right where we are in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. If you would like to help support the ministries of Stevens Creek Church, please go to StevensCreekChurch.com and click the Give button. See you next time.